Ah, the magic in belief. What are some of your core beliefs? Do you believe you are a smart person or not so smart? Is the world generally a safe place or do you have to watch your back? Can you rely on others to get the job done? Or if you want anything done well, you have to do it yourself. What are your beliefs? What do you believe? This moment is the perfect moment to start the rest of your life. A warm hello to all of you in mid to later years and anyone else who happens to be listening today. Thank you. My name is Angela Seaborn. I am your host and creator of Well, Women Embracing Later Life. I'm very excited about today's show. We are going to get our hands dirty by digging into the research. In today's program, we will primarily be focusing on two studies. One addressing our beliefs and the aging process. The other focuses on the aging process and age stereotypes and how they affect our self-perceptions. And finally, if you haven't heard of Dr. Langer already, you'll be glad you listened to today's show. A Harvard professor and researcher, a leading-edge expert in her field, Dr. Ellen Langer will be sharing her research results on the relationship between our thoughts and our well-being. And as always, your job is to take what resonates with you and leave the rest behind. When we believe something with our hearts and our souls at the core of who we are, then it's true, at least for us. And if you think I'm getting all hippie Woodstock on you or reiterating some yogi's or guru's philosophy, then think again, because what I'm talking about is Western research. There are countless books and research papers pointing out how our thoughts shape our behaviors and how the sum of our thoughts, basically which are our beliefs, form our reality. The skinny version being that our thoughts create a feeling and it's our feeling that triggers the action or behavior. And we will get into this more in a later episode when we discuss habits. For now, we're going to stick with this episode's topic, aging and beliefs. Today, we have touched on ageist beliefs, ageism and age stereotypes, and age stereotypes in film and media. Well, when it comes to ageism, what do you think comes first, the chicken or the egg? <laughs> no, no, seriously. What do you think comes first, an age stereotype or ageism? This is a tough nut to crack, I know, because it's hard to determine if ageism is what's behind age stereotypes or is it age stereotypes that creates ageism. Huh? I won't keep you hanging. The verdict is out. And most researchers agree that age stereotypes are the antecedents to age discrimination. According to the research in the book Ageism, Concepts, and Origins by Liet Ayalen and Clemens Tesh Romer, they state, 
Although both stereotypes and discrimination are discussed with regard to ageism, it is largely accepted that age stereotypes precede age discrimination. So there it is, my fellow women. The age stereotypes happen first. And once the age stereotype begins to proliferate, begins to spread, then it results in discrimination. I guess we could make a formula from this. We could say age stereotypes plus the dissemination of the information, the dissemination of the age stereotypes like word of mouth, social media, film and television would equal ageism. I'll repeat. Age stereotype plus dissemination equal ageism. And yes, it is as simple as that. Which is why we do not want to spread these stereotypes. We do not want to repeat them because we are being part of the problem then. We are creating ageist beliefs against ourselves. But how does this affect you and how does this affect me? Most of us have experienced what it feels like to be the target of some kind of age discrimination. And I believe we all can agree that it is not a pleasant feeling. Perhaps you've experienced age discrimination at work, or it was the reason you could not find work, or perhaps you weren't accepted into a particular social milieu, or if you were, it was with reluctance, or routinely ignored in meetings, or your voice wasn't taken seriously. There are many examples. Too many, actually. As I just cautioned, and if you recall in my first episode, the research uncovered It is people like you and me in our mid to later years who mainly engage in age discriminatory views and behaviors. It seems that we have internalized these messages and then subsequently we're turning on ourselves, kind of like an overactive immune system. In the book I just mentioned, Ageism, Concepts, and Origin, it reiterates this stating, Stereotyping ageist beliefs may lead the older person to act as she or he is expected to behave, as a stereotypical older person. Hence, ageism may become a self-fulfilling prophecy. All right, but how does this become a self-fulfilling prophecy? We're not internalizing these beliefs purposefully or consciously, of course. So how is this happening? Well... Researchers Nelson, 2002, Purdue and Gertman, 1990, reiterate this saying, priming for age stereotypes start young, in fact, several decades prior to getting old. Unlike race and gender stereotypes, which individuals encounter while developing group self-identities, individuals acquire age stereotypes several decades before coming old. Thus, younger individuals are likely to automatically accept age stereotypes without questioning their validity. Okay, so we are exposed to age stereotypes early. And if you recall in the episode Cougars, Mills, and Hillary Clinton, when we discussed age stereotypes in film and media, we found that age stereotypes are often presented in comedies. And the genre of comedies that I found with age stereotypes, the ones that I presented to you, I would say the majority of the viewing audience for this genre would be from tweens up to 40, 45 at the latest. 
And I will even go out on a limb further and say our exposure to ageism starts even earlier than that, as young as children. For example, cartoons. Oh, no! <laughs> cartoons in their very nature are caricatures, right? And at least when I was young, I do not know if it still happens today, but images like little old ladies crossing the street all bent over or hitting someone, some unlucky soul over the head with a frying pan or their purse Ow. was common. So I suggest that exposure to age stereotypes start very young. Newsflash. Some of us may need to change how we view aging because your belief about the aging process could literally land you in an early grave. Yes, that's scary, I know. A longitudinal study was conducted. It consisted of 660 people, 50% men and 50% women, ages 50 and older. They were given some questionnaires to fill out about their perception of aging. The results then indicated a negative or a positive view on aging. The research then followed up with the same individuals up to 23 years later. This longitudinal study was conducted by Becca R. Levy and Martin D. Slade Stanislav V. Castle, all from Yale University, as well as Susan R. Kunkel of Miami University. And what they found was eye-opening. They found that individuals with a more positive self-perception of aging lived on average 7.5 years longer. And that's just on average. This advantage was consistent regardless of age, gender, socioeconomic status, so rich or poor, didn't matter, loneliness, and one's ability to function day by day. So these findings suggest that self-perceptions of stigmatized groups can and do influence longevity. I came across another study, The Impact of Age Stereotypes on Self-Perceptions of Aging Across the Adult Lifespan by Dana Kottergruen and Thomas M. Hess, and it was published in 2012 in the Journals of Gerontology, Series B, Psychological Sciences and Social Science. Cotter, Gruen, and Hess investigated if and how our self-perceptions can be influenced. They were interested to know, and I quote their research paper here, is there a way to make individuals feel younger and more satisfied with aging? Hats off to these researchers because this is an important study. We now know that our perceptions of aging influence our longevity. So if we can change a negative attitude into a positive, then we can give somebody more years of life. I won't bore you with the details of this study. Instead, just give you the highlights. And for those of you who are interested, I will attach the full study in the show notes below as soon as I learn how to do that. Okay, back to business. So Dana Cotter-Gruen et al. wanted to know if exposure to negative or positive age stereotypes could immediately influence or change how a person sees themselves and if so, how and what age groups would be most affected? 
They randomly selected 183 men and women ages 18 to 19 years of age. They sorted participants by age. Category A, young adults, ages 18 to 35, B, middle age, 36 to 60, and C, older adults, ages 61 to 92 years of age. After determining participant baseline scores of how they felt about themselves in relation to their age, they were then divided into three groups to conduct the experiment. Group 1 would receive positive priming material, a picture of an older person smiling, looking happy, and a summary describing the person using positive words like active, well-groomed, wise, full of life, capable, positive outlook, family-oriented, will to live, and the word healthy was used in two of the descriptions. Group two would receive a picture of an older person looking grumpy or sad with a negative description like walk slowly, senile, wrinkled, dying, helpless, grumpy, sick, lonely, given up, and depressed. Group three was neutral and did not receive any priming. Let's start with group two. What do you think the results were? Did people feel better or worse about themselves or maybe no change after viewing the negative image and descriptions of the older person? I'll read the results from the paper. After the activation of negative age stereotypes, older adults in good health felt older and those in bad health wanted to be younger than before the priming. Uh-oh. Even younger and middle-aged adults reported younger desired ages after the negative age stereotype priming. Persons in bad health also thought they looked older after being primed with negative age stereotypes. So according to this study, with adults of any age, 18 and up, negative age stereotypes have negative impacts on how we feel about ourselves and how old we perceive we look. Okay, so what about the positive images? When the participants were given positive images and positive descriptions of an older person, do you think it influenced them for the better, for worse, or no impact whatsoever? Let's take a look at what they discovered. The researchers write, the activation of positive age stereotypes did not, I repeat, did not positively influence self-perceptions of aging. Quite the contrary. Priming middle-aged and older adults in good health with positive age stereotypes actually made them feel older. Wowza! It looks like those priming techniques had an effect, but not what the researchers were hoping for. Even positive age stereotypes made our age category, mid to later years, feel older older than their original scores before the priming experiment. Okay, people, 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 I see these results surprise you as they initially did me. 
But then I thought about it. Do you recall in my very first podcast episode when we discussed how our beliefs are shaped starting from a young age, and I gave you examples of this from the lens of the psychological domain and the social domain and how they are primarily responsible for how we feel about ourselves, the beliefs we have about ourselves, and our beliefs that we have about the world we live in. Anyway, what I am getting at is this. The participants entered this study from the get-go with a lifetime of psychological and social imprinting. At least 18 years worth, knowing that the youngest participants were 18 years old. So by 18 years old and older, when the researchers got a hold of them, they already had their core beliefs hardwired in their brains, which are difficult to change, especially given that the study only exposed the participants one time to the stereotype. How can that compete with a lifetime of priming? I believe that the results of the study more accurately reflect how we react when we are being compared to others. And there is research out there to back that up. When we compare ourselves to others, you know, if we compare ourselves to people who we perceive as being less than we are or better than we are, they both have the same negative effects on us. And without further ado, let's listen to the CBS interview with Dr. Ellen Langer. I say over 50 and just getting started. The Golden Girls thought age could be a state of mind in our morning rounds. Can you think yourself to being younger? I've got really good news for you. In studies over four decades, Harvard psychology professor Ellen Langer showed that mental attitude can reverse the effects of aging and improve physical health. Now she wants to test the theory on cancer. An article on her research is one of the most shared stories from the New York Times magazine. Everybody's talking about this, Professor Langer. Welcome to the table. Thank you. Because you say it's the power of your mind. So what is your theory? How does it work? It's a mind-body unity theory. Right now, uh, the mind-body problem that's existed forever is how do you get from this fuzzy thing called a thought to the body? Mm -hmm. Although everybody knows there's an effect. You're walking down the street, a leaf blows in your face, you get startled, your blood pressure increases and pulse and so on until you see it's only a leaf. Mm -hmm. And so I said, well... Let's forget about how you get from one to the other. And in fact, see those as just words, mind and body. But give us some examples. We put the mind and body back together. Mm -hmm. Then wherever you're putting the mind, you're necessarily putting the body. Mm -hmm. So we've done lots of studies where we put the mind in unusual places, take the measurements from our bodies. And it also explains things like placebos and spontaneous remissions. Let's take one example, the counterclockwise studies. Okay, that was the original of this. I took men to a uh, retreat that had been retrofitted to 20 years earlier and had them live there for the week as if it was 20 years ago. How old old were the men? They were in their late 70s, early 80s. And that was when... 80 was 80, not the new 60. They they were old, right? (laughs) And they lived as if it had been the past. So they spoke about the past in the present tense. Um, And... um, 
After a week's time, we found that they looked noticeably younger. They didn't look 20 years younger, but they still looked younger. Their vision improved, their hearing improved, uh, some of their cognitive processes improved, um, and their strength improved. Tell us about the hotel maid study. That I love this one. one. Yeah. yeah, I love this so one. So interesting, when, you, when we first spoke to chambermaids who, who exercise all day long, and we asked them, how much exercise do you get? They said they don't exercise. Okay. Now what we did was we took half of the uh, people we were talking to and we taught them that their work is exercise. You know, making a bed is like working on this machine at the gym and so on. All we did was change their view of what they did their perception. every day. Right. We came back three months later. Uh, we found uh, weight loss, a change in waist to hip ratio, body mass index, and their blood pressure came down. Yeah. Well, tell Simply us, because you had told them that they were getting exercise. Yes. They started thinking differently. Yes. Talk about the power of the mind over your health when you talk about cancer and diabetes, what you found. Well, okay, the diabetes study is hot off the press, so we still have to replicate this. <laughs> okay. But uh, we had people who had type 2 diabetes show up for the study. They're doing a task on the computer. In the lower right-hand corner of the computer is a clock. The clock is going twice as fast as real half as fast as real, or it's real time. And the question we're asking, was their blood sugar level going to follow real or perceived time? Ah. And the answer seems to be perceived time. Um, with respect to the work on cancer, we haven't begun that yet. Mm -hmm. But the idea, again, is we want to see how far we can push this. You're so, going to do a study with women who have stage four breast cancer. Right, exactly. And so we're going to take them to a retreat and for them, it's going to be, let's say, 10 years. I'm, I'm not sure if it's 8 or 10 years earlier, the time before they had the cancer. And to see if by taking their minds back in time, and then we teach them to be mindful, as I study it, going forward, if we can reduce the size of a tumor or perhaps even eliminate it. It's what was the study with the houseplants? Did you put the houseplants in the, that, the, houseplants the nursing the, home? I love that it. was the very beginning of all of this. What we did was give people simple decisions to make that I later became uh, the basis of mindfulness work that I've been doing for all these years. So they're encouraged to make decisions. They're given a plan to take care of. This is in a nursing home. <laughs> in a nursing home. But you have to put it in time perspective. This right. is you know, many years ago. This is back in the early 70s. But the results are interesting. We came back 18 months later, and those who had been given these mindful choices to make live longer. You told the people that if they don't take care of this plant, it would die, and those you told that to... No, we, we didn't. We didn't threaten them oh, well, with well, death I mean, of you, plants. Yeah, but no. they were responsible for its <laughs> we, well-being. Yeah, right. Yeah. And the, the comparison group was treated with tender, loving care. We can so tell you... You're, you're going to be tough in, in nursing so does this mean, say, for example, uh, if... Older people have a dog or have yes. something to care for? Yes, I think that... They will... Yeah, um, that if you have some, if you have something to care or for, especially if what you're caring for leads you to expect it's going to change. Mm -hmm. So you're looking for new things. And that's the essence of mindfulness mm -hmm. as I study it. So Actively noticing new things. Listen, and it brings about incredible They say um, there changes. could be a movie about your work and Jennifer Aniston could be playing you. How do we feel about that, Professor? No, we, any movie will be very nice. It's been taking so long to be made. I'm now reassured that it will happen as Good. to who will be playing yeah. me. We'll still have to wait and see. Good, good. Wow. And I oh. hope everything you say is right. So do I. Yeah. <laughs> well, Alan Langer, you're the longest-serving professor of psychology at Harvard. But not the oldest. No, you're so, yeah, not the oldest. <laughs> well, fabulous research. Really enjoyed learning about it. Thank you. All right, so that was Dr. Ellen Langer. She is amazing. She has tons of work out there. 
Um, if you want to look into her, she has a website and she's done TED Talks. There's so much more than this little clip. So I encourage you to look her up, Dr. Ellen Langer, and she's written a book on mindfulness. She has a new 25th anniversary edition out where she goes into detail of her many studies. Again, it's Ellen J. Langer. I recommend that you get that book. And that's it for today's show. So today we heard about two studies, one on how our attitudes about aging could lead us to an early grave and age stereotypes presented to us at 18 years and older has a negative effect regardless of it being positive or negative. And lastly, you just heard the interview with Dr. Ellen Langer, so it's fresh in your mind. If you enjoyed today's show, please give it a rating on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. And until we meet again, be well. Russian artist Lina Orsa, Red Cat Violin.